following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Does anyone this morning want to be involved in the story? Do you want to, uh, let me ask you again, do you want to be involved in God's story? Okay, if you want to be involved in God's story, we got to follow. We can't just know a little about and believe a little bit. We got to follow him because in the Bible, the people who followed were the disciples. They walked in the disciplines of Jesus. They loved him. They followed him. They met with him. They spent time with him. And as a result, they got in on the God story. Uh, God's story became their story and they began to share these stories and that's why we read it in the Bible 2,000 years later. These are all stories of people who walked with God, literally followers of Jesus. And so I wanna share that this morning. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter five, Luke chapter five. This morning we're talking about believing or following and they're completely different, believing and following. And in Luke chapter five, uh, we're gonna look at this passage today Jesus, where again he calls those not just to believe but to follow and we look at what happens as a result because these guys seem to really get it. The ones who follow Jesus, they're the ones who really got it. Luke chapter five, uh, it goes like this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God and he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When they had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Want to start this out looking at the passage, and I would like to suggest that we put ourselves in the text. When Jesus shares the stories in the Bible, and especially all the parables, you and I should put ourselves in the story and ask ourselves, which one are we? Or how would we react if we were in uh, the story? And in this case here, Peter is having a really bad day. These guys were up fishing all night and he's saying oh Jesus we worked so hard (laughs) we worked so hard all night long and we've got nothing to show for it we've got nothing to show for it and at this point Peter is very disappointed and I don't know about you but I know I have done things where I've worked hard and sometimes didn't have anything to show for it have you ever done that where you really tried and you really worked hard and you really try to get something done. And at the end of the day, maybe there was nothing to show for it. Have you ever had a day that you wish that day didn't happen? Anybody? Like it was just a bad day, right? Okay, we have these days sometimes. You try and you just go, oh, wow, I don't see any good coming out of this. This doesn't seem like anything got done, anything beneficial, anything good. And it can lead to a disappointment. All of us have those days. All of us share in disappointments when we don't have a success where there seems to be in some way it seems like a failure of a day or not a fruitful day or successful day and we feel very disappointed. Peter and his guys right here in the story had exactly that kind of day. They're sitting on the shore and they're cleaning nets. Instead of catching fish, all they caught was seaweed and maybe a cold. (laughs) And they're cleaning their nets and they have nothing to show for it. And Jesus walks up 
And Peter's like, oh, it's, it's been a bad day and a bad night, Jesus. There's, there's no fish out there. And I love this story because when I see this kind of disappointment, it just reminds me of how Jesus identifies with us and what you and I do with our disappointment matters monumentally. See, we all have disappointment, guys. But what we do with it is paramount. What we do with it is enormous. What you and I do with our disappointment is so important, so monumental, it will either pull us to God or drive us away from God. What you and I choose, choose to do with our disappointments because we all have them. It's not a matter of if you get disappointed. It's a matter of when you do and how you and I respond when we get disappointed. I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed the same, that some people distance themselves from God, distance themselves because of the disappointments in their life. Have you talked to people, and maybe yourself, who you went through some disappointments and it put a, a, a wedge between your relationship with God? Can I get an honesty uh, show of hands in the room? Yeah, because disappointments happen in our life and we don't know why we went through that or why did this happen and how come God didn't come through and, why, and as a result, what we do with that disappointment is so important sometimes, sometimes, it puts a wedge between our relationship. We, we put a space between us and God because we don't know what to do with our disappointment. It's important to know what to do with your disappointment. But some people, they believe Jesus. And they choose to follow him even though they have disappointments in life. They don't react to their disappointment. They act with their disappointment. They take that disappointment and say, wow, I don't get this, and yes, this stinks, and yet, 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 I am gonna trust you. And there's others who say, I don't get this, and I'm pulling away from you, God. I've talked to people who in their life would say that they were an atheist, and I love talking to atheists because I like to ask them questions. Um, you know, there's really, God doesn't believe in atheists. Atheists say they don't believe in God, but God doesn't believe in atheists. Um, God put eternity in the hearts of men. Everyone has this sense, especially at the end of their life when they're ready to check out, that God is real and I better do something. Some harden their hearts, but many have this stirring they can't get over and, and, and the sense that God is calling them to some better future than what they currently experience. And I've talked to atheists and it seems that if you ask an atheist enough questions, pray for them, be respectful, but ask them enough questions, you will get to the bottom of their atheism. And oftentimes what you will find at the bottom of an atheist's mindset or heart condition is disappointment. And it was extreme disappointment in something. And they might not come right out and say, I don't believe, give me proof, boom, 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 boom. All these kind of things, boom, boom, boom. But at the end of the day, if you keep asking questions, and I had atheists say this, Oh yeah? Well then if there's a God, then why did, boom. Have you guys heard this? That, that, my friends, is an extreme disappointment brewing in the bottom of their heart somewhere and because it's there, they refuse to enter a relationship with God and use their intellect to explain away or I don't believe or try to use some scientific debate which they can't prove God, they can't unprove God but look at his nature, his beauty and how he interacts in our life daily and God is so alive and yet the atheist oftentimes because of an extreme disappointment and not knowing what to do with that disappointment will separate themselves relationally from the living God you and I get to choose what we do with our disappointment Um, the singer uh, Lauren Daigle with her song trust in you says this when you don't move the mountain I'm needing you to move 
When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. And when you don't give the answer as I cry out to you, mm, I'm still gonna trust. I'm still gonna trust in you. And that's the point because some people say, no, God didn't move the wall. He didn't part the waters. He didn't move the mountain. And so therefore I am disappointment and therefore I'm separating myself from God. Listen, what you and I choose to do with our disappointment has a monumental effect on whether you and I will follow Jesus or just be off at a distance as some maybe respectful believer. It has so much to do with following Jesus intimately with what you and I do with our disappointments. If you're a note taker this morning, you might wanna write some of these down because these are profound realities of not just believing, but really being a Christ follower. And there is a big difference. There's a big difference. And you know people in your life who would say they believe, but they aren't truly following Jesus. And you know others that are really following Jesus much more than belief. They're walking it out and they're doing different things in their life and it's evident. The first point is this. Christ followers learn to give their disappointments to God. They learn to give their disappointments to God. You have to take that disappointment. You have to take the unanswerables in life, the things that you can't understand, the code you can't crack, the the things we can't discern when the mountain did not move and you asked it to and the waters did not part and you wanted revelation and you didn't get it or you wanted this healing or this breakthrough and for some reason in our mind, in our mind, we think God fell short. But God's like, no, listen, I'm working all things together for the good You don't get it right now, but you'll get it someday. And yet in our limited understanding, we have this big disappointment and we react with that disappointment instead of acting with it. Our reaction would be to pull away or God, you didn't come through and distance our relationship. To act in it would say, I'm still gonna trust in you, God. The Bible says to cast our cares upon the Lord, to cast our anxieties, to cast our fears, to cast our doubts, cast them upon the Lord. The Lord would say, bring them. Throw them all at me. I'll take them on. He'd say, I died for the sins of the world. I can certainly take your anxiety. I can certainly take your disappointment. Bring it my way. I can certainly take your lack of trust, struggle, anything you're dealing with right now. Bring it my way. That's what a Christ follower does. Not react. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. All your anxiety. Some translations say your cares, your worries, your disappointments. Peter's disappointed right here in this story. He's been working hard all night long, has nothing to show for it. That's disappointed. You and I have done things in life where we're very disappointed because nothing seemed to amount from our hard work at times. Things maybe have failed or didn't bear a lot of fruit. And yet, Jesus says, I hear what you're saying, Peter. I hear you're disappointed. I hear it in your voice. I see it in your faces. But I'm asking you to go back out there deeper and throw your nets in the water, even though you've done it all night long. And Peter says, okay, yes, if you say so. This is important, guys, because not everybody does that with their disappointment. Not everybody does what Peter did with his disappointment. Peter is a Christ follower. He's doing the right thing with his disappointment. The second point this morning is this. Christ followers obey him even when they don't understand him. Christ followers obey him even when They don't understand him. The Lord is gonna ask you to do things in life. He's gonna show you ways, directions, and and ways to go that don't make any sense. And if you try to wait to figure it out or to crack the code or to quantify and understand and calculate what God is doing, that day might not ever come. We walk by faith, amen? Amen. 
We walk by faith, not by proof. We walk by faith doesn't mean you always have a master plan. That's what the whole kingdom of God is about. That's what following Jesus is about. Christ followers obey him even when they don't understand him. So many people in the Bible, God told Noah to build an ark when no one had ever even seen rain. No one had ever seen rain and yet he's building an ark by faith. That's what God followers do. God called Abraham to pack up his possessions and start walking, even though he didn't have a map or proof of where he was going. And he did. He packed up his stuff. He started walking. God told the Israelites to walk around Jericho seven times, and they did it even though they had no clue on how is this going to make walls fall down. This doesn't make any sense at all. Packing up our stuff and blowing trumpets and walking around the city? That's not been done in history. What's gonna happen from that? They don't have to understand God to do it. If God says it, you walk it out by faith. This is really important. And I believe God wants to do great things in your life and in mine too. But listen, family, we can't wait until we understand it to do it. We cannot wait until we understand it to do it. If we are gonna wait until we understand it, that day may never come. The Bible says we see in part and know in part, but someday, someday, we're gonna fully know. Someday, every question you have, every concern you had, you can take right to the source and God will answer everything. You're gonna know everything you didn't know, but until then, we don't know everything. Now we know in part, in part, in part. And yet, even though we know in part, we walk in faith, in faith, in faith. And that's why it's so important that we as Christ followers, we obey him even when we don't understand him. You don't have to understand to follow. In fact, disciples obey Jesus even when it makes no sense. Even when it doesn't make sense logically, intellectually, or experientially. If God is saying it by faith, you walk it out and that's where, that's where the blessing is. This is what it says in verse six. It moves on after Peter being thoroughly disappointed and not believing there is any fish out there and yet Jesus saying, put your boat into the deep and throw your nets out again. Even though you've failed and done it all night long, trust me. Moves on in verse six. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. By listening to Jesus, by listening to Jesus, their nets were beyond full. By listening to Jesus, nets were beyond full. Yours will be too. By listening to Jesus, your nets will be beyond full because Jesus is the only one with the capacity to fill your nets. Do you know that? Jesus is the only all-knowing one who can fill your nets and we're in these pursuits in life where maybe if I do this or maybe if I plan that and this is all fine to plan and to pray. By all means, plan and pray yet at the end of the day, only Jesus can fill your net. He knows what was designed for your net. He knows what will fill your net. He knows what will satisfy. He knows where the catch is. Jesus knows where the catch is. No matter how good we think we are at our craft, at our job, at our career, at our calling, at our gifting, all these things, no matter how good and experienced we are, let me tell you something, Jesus knows where the catch is. 
We think we do, but Jesus knows where the catch is and only he can fill our nets uh, the way we were designed to have our nets filled. So if, if you're a note taker, here's the third point. We believe, we believe when we hear what Jesus says, but we follow when we do what Jesus says. We believe when we hear what Jesus says. Jesus, do you believe in me? Yeah, I, I believe in you. Very good. That's where it begins. We believe when we hear what Jesus says, but we follow when we do what he says. There's a big difference between hearing and doing. Big, big difference between hearing and doing. And that's the difference between believers and followers. The difference between believers and followers is hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. Peter could have said, no, I'm tired. I believe you could though, probably. I believe you probably could. But you don't know how tired we are. We're done going home. The difference between believing and following is doing. We believe when we hear what Jesus says, we follow when we do what Jesus says. It moves on in verse eight and says this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken in, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up the boats to the shore and left everything and followed him. This is, this is cool right here. The closer you are with Jesus, the closer you follow, you get in on more of the miraculous. You get in on more of the, you see his power, you see his love, you see the movement of God in your life, the closer you follow to Jesus. If you just believe in your way at a distance, you're only gonna hear of the stories. You'll hear of the stories, and that's good. Hearing of the stories is good. But as you follow closer, you actually get in on the stories. You get to part, partner with God, partake in these, in these stories. The amazing thing about this is, They're seeing what Jesus did. They see the miraculous. The presence of God is so obvious among them. But listen, here's something enormous that happens with the presence of God. And this is something that's sometimes forgotten. And it can't be forgotten. Because this, by the way, is is key to any revival in your life personally and our lives corporately. This, This component right here. Peter sees the miracle and he falls to his knees and says, Lord... I'm a sinner. Now, wait a minute. He just saw the miraculous. James and John are doing jumping jacks. This is so cool. These guys are doing jumping jacks. This is awesome. Our boats are sinking. We've never caught so much fish. Peter drops to his knees and is like, oh, Lord. You want to get away from me, Lord? I don't know if you know who I am. I'm a sinner. Now, this is important, guys. Jesus loves people like this. Jesus loves people like this. And says, Peter, haha, no, you were wavering, run, buddy, but I see you as this little rock, and I'm gonna do some radical stuff through you, buddy. You have no idea why. Because you're willing to admit your real condition. You're willing to acknowledge your true condition. I don't think we know our true condition until we're in God's presence like this. I don't think we really know our true condition when we're in God's presence like this. I don't know that we know our true condition when we're watching a football game or we're doing this. Or we're, I don't know that we know that, but when we're in the presence of God, there's something that everything kind of pales in comparison. Everything else goes away. It's just us and God. And we don't know who we are until we know who he is. And when you're in the presence of an awesome, mighty, loving God, then all of a sudden we come to true terms on who we are. Same thing happened to Isaiah. Presence of God, throne room experience, 
He's fallen to his knees and says, oh Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. First thing out of his mouth in the presence of God is his understanding of his true condition. I don't want to say this passively. This matters so much. Coming to terms with with our own conditions and not saying, I already did that once when I accepted Christ, but be willing to say, I'm constantly assessing my own condition. Amen? Can I get another man on that? Okay, constantly assessing your own condition is key to being a follower of Jesus Christ. You can be a believer somewhere in the periphery and not checking in on your condition and not walking very close, but the closer you get to Jesus, we are forced to come to terms with our own condition. That's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Because Jesus says, thank you for being honest. I totally see your condition. I love you through the condition. Now let me work on you with that. And that's what he did with Peter and every single person that's followed him through history. Jesus wasn't like, oh, really? That's your condition? And Jesus Jesus never backed away from anyone. He charged at people. Jesus is like, I knew your condition before you said your condition. I loved you anyway, but thank you for being honest with yourself and thank you for being honest with me. Beautiful. Now, let me show you the amazing future I have for you. It's this way. And that's what he did with everybody and he did it with Peter. He did it with Peter. So Peter comes to terms and he confesses his sin and I believe it's something all followers need to do. Followers need to come to terms with our condition and confess what we need to confess. Confession's not a bad thing. Confession is key to revival in your life. Confession is key to revival in a, in a society. All historic revivals have had this time of confession, even public confession. There's a time for private confession and public confession. When we pray for revival, we start talking about, Lord, not only forgive us for our sins, but Lord, look at our city. What has our city done to glorify you around the world? Or what have we done to wreck the world's view of you through what we've put out in media through this city? and start to confess for the sins of the land. All revivals have this confession component. Want to bring it out because followers understand this. Followers understand this. And then Jesus, in fact, it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. Jesus is like, I totally want to wipe those clean, but would you be honest and say it, please? And sometimes we're like, I don't want to say it. He's like... I'm waiting to deal with that one. Let me know when you're ready. Whenever you're ready, just let me know. I I, I know it's there anyway. I still love you. But whenever you're ready to deal with it, just speak it out and we'll be done with it. How's that? And some are like, no, I won't confess it. And then the ones who do start to follow and get in on a deeper level of intimacy with God. Now, Jesus, when he's telling them, follow me. In this story, this, this is all about follow me. This whole story is about follow me. When he tells them, follow me, he's saying, follow me, I have an assignment for you. Follow me, I have an assignment for you. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus, you get in on an assignment. There's an assignment the Lord has for you. You can believe in the distance. There's many people who believed. He did the fishes and loaves and miracles. That's really cool. Follow? No, I'm not following. I'm going back home. I'm going to kick it over here. I got some stuff to do. I'm not following. Many, many people. The rich young ruler, that's really cool. You do what you do, but yeah, I'm not going to follow. But there's others who say, yes, you are who you say you are. I'm gonna follow. And he says, beautiful, follow me. I have an assignment for you. In this case, he's telling them, I want you to fish for people. I want you to fish for people. The King James says catch. I want you to catch people. It means catch them alive because they're only halfway living. 
They're only halfway alive. They're not fully alive. So would you catch them? And would you introduce them to the love of their soul? And then God's program is catch and release. Amen? It's catch and release. Catch them because they're halfway alive. Let them know that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the life. And they'll have an abundant life through me. And then release them. Release them. And that's the kingdom of God. That's the economy of God, how it works in God's economy. And he's telling them, and this is important, guys, um, as followers, as followers, he's giving them an assignment. He's saying, as followers, I'm asking you to serve. Everybody say serve. Listen, you might have not have thought of this before, but in the Bible, you cannot remove following Jesus from serving Jesus. Let me say that again. In the Bible, in the Bible, I know we have our own views in in life. In the Bible, you can't remove following Jesus from serving Jesus. They are one in the same. Um, And so if you're a note taker, write this one down. This is important. Number four, Christ followers have an assignment serve. Christ followers have an assignment to serve. Believers can just have a thought, a belief, an idea, be cool with that, and go back home. Followers, followers of Jesus, everyone in the Bible who is a follower, has an assignment to serve. Uh, Serving is for every disciple. Every disciple in the Bible served Jesus, and Jesus told them, told them to serve. First of all, he said, listen, as you've seen me do, you do also. He said the greatest of all people is the servant of all. Jesus stressed this um, and he showed them even how to serve. And the Bible puts following and serving hand in hand. They cannot be separated. Uh, Look at this verse. I don't know if you've ever thought of following and serving as not separable because I don't think a lot of people do. But I want to show you a verse really quick. John 12, 26. And I don't know if we have this in uh, what translation, but the living translation anyway, says it this way. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. The Father will honor anyone who serves me. It doesn't say the Father will honor, just if you just believe, that's cool. No, you serve me, you're gonna get honored, God says. And, 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 and he's saying here, where I am, That's where my servants must be. Where I am, those who follow me must serve me, and where I am, my servants will be. And there's something about the following and the serving in this context that is the same. It's the same. Followers serve Jesus. Followers serve. It's not a matter of if we serve, because we're all called to serve. It's a matter of maybe where you serve, or how you serve. These are great questions. Where should I serve? How should I serve? Every Christ follower needs to ask that question. Lord, where should I serve and how should I serve? But every Christ follower needs to know God called you to serve. He assigned you to serve. He assigned all of us to serve. Ask yourself in this area of your life, am I a believer or am I a follower in this area? Because I would suggest to you that step number five is true. Here it is. Believers become followers as they serve. Believers become followers as they serve. As you serve Jesus, you begin to understand his ways and how he works and what he wants to do in you and through you to bless others. As you've seen me do, you do also. And as we walk with Jesus and represent him, that's when you start to follow and get closer. That's when it gets personal. 
That's when your eyes begin to open and you see dimensions of the kingdom of God you've never seen before. I remember when I committed my life to the Lord, I'm like, okay, I'm in, so now what? I believe, I believe, I've, I've made that confession, I'm in, so now what? I figured, okay, if this is real, I gotta start doing the stuff, right? I wanna start doing the stuff. And I started going down the skid row and doing homeless ministry and doing prison ministry and I got to see some stuff that rocked my world, it rocked my world because God showed up in areas and places that only God could. And I'm going, this is real. This is so real. God is so alive. But if you remove yourself from serving, then you just read about the stories. You learn about the stories, but you don't get to participate in the stories. Jesus is saying, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Serving is where Jesus is. Serving is where Jesus is. So we can't be a follower if we're not serving where Jesus is. So believers become followers as they serve. This is how the passage concludes in verse 11. It says, how did these guys serve? These guys, they pulled up their boats to the shore. They left everything and they followed him. Now, Jesus might not be asking you to be a capital A apostle like these guys. He might not be asking you to sell your boat, you know, your fishing business and walk away from your boat. But there is something in common in every Christ follower. Every Christ follower realizes that there's certain stuff in our life that there's no place for it on the journey following Jesus. Uh, We just can't carry this stuff. We got stuff in our lives that we're going through life with and Jesus is like, yeah, um, I see it. You're not gonna make it on the journey carrying that stuff. Would you just put that down and follow me? And the beauty is, unless he's calling you to foreign mission field or a call to poverty on the other side of the world to live out in the rainforest or the jungle or something like that, um, usually it doesn't mean get rid of all your stuff, but I will be honest with you, there are things in our life that need to go. There are things in our lives that need to go. And another honest assessment that you and I should have is to kind of do an inventory on your life and ask the Lord deeply in prayer, saying, Lord, I don't want to believe. I, I, I want to be beyond belief. I want to follow you. And I realize some stuff in my life, maybe there's no place for it on the journey. And a beautiful assessment would be to say, Lord, what's getting in the way? What is getting in the way of me fully following you? Uh, there was a time in my life where I had a lot of stuff in my life. I was following the Lord. I was doing prison ministry and a lot of other stuff, going into youth facilities. Uh, but I had a lot of stuff. I had a, a race boat and I had a, um, you know, a bunch of toys. I had a, you know, a Corvette, an older vintage car. I had a, just a lot of stuff. And it was, they weren't idols in my life. They, were, they had the right place. They weren't blocking anything, but it was still stuff. And all the stuff in our life, has real estate in our heart. Do you realize that? Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You can't separate this stuff. Treasures and things you have. So I I just sensed the Lord one day to say, he said it loud and clear to me. He said, simplify life and get rid of distractions. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, Lord, how do you want me to simplify? The Lord was silent. Oh, come on, Lord, show me what you want me to get rid of. Silent. I'm like, but Lord, you told me to simplify life and get rid of distractions. Show me what they are. And so he let me in his grace, in his grace to say, you kind of figure out what they are. I'm gonna give you the liberty and the grace. I'm not saying, A, B, C, you get rid of these things. I'm writing them on the board. These are bad. These are good. No, God, 
hey, you're learning how to grow, you're learning how to walk, you're learning how to follow. You figure out what takes up real estate in your heart. You figure out what takes up space in your mind, in your life, and weighs you down or uh, has you divided in your interests where you're not focused on the kingdom and the love of God and what he has for you. Figure out on your own. And so I did, and I gotta tell you, simplifying really opened up a whole new realm to the love of God and the future he had for me. Uh, And I don't know that I would be walking in it today or at least aiming to walk in it had I had clutter in my life. So I would encourage you, find out what the clutter is, find out what the distractions are, find out what you can't take on the journey that it may be permissible, but it's not beneficial. It may be permissible, but it's not beneficial and find out what that is and say, all right, Lord, thanks for showing me. It's time to move on from that stuff. It's really good. It gets good, really, really good right there. And so here's the last point, guys. And this to me is probably the the take home. When we talk about believing, which is a great start, and really following, which is really the calling. See, we can believe in a savior, but he only becomes the Lord when we follow and serve and acknowledge him that, hey, our life isn't even our own anymore. It belongs to you, God. Believing and following, that's what today is all about, this message. Here's the last point, and this is probably the take home. If you write this one down, think about this. A believer changes their mind. A Christ follower changes their life. A believer changes their mind, but a Christ follower changes their life. There were many people on the hill that day when Jesus made the fishes and the loaves go, yeah, I changed my mind. I didn't know there was a Messiah, and I've seen him. He's the guy. I've seen him heal people. I, I believe it. I changed my mind. I didn't think there was a Messiah Out of all the world religions, yep, it's Jesus. I I changed my mind. I believe that now. But many never changed their life. Many never turned. They didn't really follow. They didn't pursue. They didn't walk with you. They They believed and they went back home to life as it normally was. And yet there were so many others that said, wow, because of this encounter that I just had, because of this encounter with Jesus, I really can't be the same again. I would be kidding myself to go back to life as normal, acting as if I didn't see the, res- the, 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 the son of God in flesh. If I didn't have this encounter with Jesus, I, I can't act like I didn't have it and, and go back and ignore it. And, and some people, when they see who Jesus really is, they realize he just can't really be the same anymore. Uh, there's something about Jesus that, that when you experience him and you see his love, it seems to come to this conclusion that Jesus outweighs Jesus outweighs every option I have in life. He does. He outweighs every option I have. And I think everyone needs to come to terms with that because as long as you go, yeah, this, that, Jesus, boom, uh, uh, but I'm picking this, then we never became a follower because we never really considered our options. But when you realize the beauty and the love and the power of Jesus and who he is and his love for you, when you realize that, when you really realize that, you realize there are no other options in comparison. And the longer it takes to realize that, uh, the worse it is. It took me a long time. I kept a bunch of options open. I'm like, I believe, I believe. In fact, I believed in you since I was a kid. I, I, I learned from a young kid that God is real and that's cool, but I did not follow and I wasn't about to follow. I believe and I put God there and I kept all my options open. And then finally, finally, I had to come to the end of myself where I'm like, there really are no other options not ones that are gonna matter in 50 years, not ones that are better than your plan. You're the lover of my soul and you, are, you designed me and you know what I'm made for 
And I'm over here trying to figure it out on my own and let, yet you're the one with the plan in the first place. When we realize the love of Jesus, his love outweighs every option we have. That's where it started for me. I trust that's where it started for you. I wanna encourage, we're gonna close in prayer this morning. I wanna encourage that we take to heart this reality of being a Christ follower and what it really looks like because Jesus is calling us to follow, family. He's calling us to follow. He's not saying, thanks for checking in with me once in a while. Do you believe? Okay, making sure you still believe. You good? Okay, cool. Go back to whatever you were doing. He's like, yes, believe. (laughs) But take your belief and put feet to your belief and start following me and start trusting me. As we close in prayer this morning, maybe there's some areas in your life, maybe there's some areas of disappointment in your life that have put a little bit of a gap in your relationship with the Lord. I think we need to bring them before the Lord this morning. This morning, maybe there's an area in your life as he's calling you to follow, as he's calling you to follow, you realize, you know, there are some things that I can't carry with me if I'm really gonna follow him. And I just wanna encourage you this morning to trust in the Lord. Like Peter, who went all night and worked hard, he could have said, I've already tried that. But he's like, Lord, if you say so, then yes, I'm gonna do it. It's where it all begins, guys. So let's just, can we just stand in prayer together this morning? And we're gonna ask the Lord to seal some of these things in our heart. Mighty God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. Lord, I pray that all of us, Lord, you would, you would pull us from belief, a general belief, which is a beautiful start, to a deeper reality of following you, God. We want to be followers of you. We want to follow you even when we don't fully understand where we're going, just like Peter did. We want to trust in you, Lord, even though we've had disappointments in our life, God. Uh, we want to uh, believe and know that where your followers are, That's where those who serve you are. It's the same thing. Followers serve. And I pray that we would all in this room find a place to serve you, uh, not a matter of if we do, but when and where we do. And so, Lord, we we just need you to do these things in our our heart, Lord. We don't want to just change our mind. We want to change our life with your power and love. We want to be people who are really Christ followers. And so, Lord, I just sense today there's... um, there's some little blocks. There's some little hurdles in the room to fully trust in you. There are some things that we believe, but to really trust, to really like jump into the deep end, to really trust in you, we have some concerns, we have some doubts, we have some fears, we have some anxieties, we have some uh, alternate plans, Lord. But I just want to pray for all of us this morning. If you feel there's something in your life that's getting in the way or has gotten in the way of, of fully following Jesus or serving Jesus, I just want to encourage you right now to just, just put your hands out in front of you, everyone's eyes closed, and just this is personal business with you and the Lord, and just put it in your hands symbolically as you just hold your hands up to the Lord. If you have a doubt, a fear, a concern, an experience, if you have anything that's kind of messed with you uh, to make you hold back, to make you be cautious, to make you be in control. Uh, I just encourage you this morning, uh, today is the day. God's calling you to a deeper place and there's some things that need to be left behind. And what you're putting in your hand right now, it needs to be left behind. And so Lord, we come to you today. Even people that have been following you for a long time, we put things in our hand this morning. And we say, you know what? This did rock our relationship, God. 
when you didn't move that one mountain, when you didn't part that one sea, when you didn't answer that prayer, you didn't give the revelation, when you, whatever the experience I had when I was young or the experience I had recently, all these things messed with me, God. But, 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 nevertheless, if you say so, I'm ready to go. Nevertheless, if you're calling me out into the deeper, I will go. If you are calling me to throw nets, I will do it. Only you can fill my nets. Nothing else in life is gonna fill a net like you can. And so God, we just put these things before you this morning and we say, God, would you take these things, do a surgery and a healing on our hearts that we would be sons and daughters who wholeheartedly trust you, God, because that's where it's all at. We love you, mighty God. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We're gonna close in worship, guys. Our prayer team's coming up. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.